Awesome. Well, hello, everybody. Good seeing you. So good to be with you, uh, all the campuses here at Parkview. Anybody watching online, everybody sitting here today. My name's Clay, as, uh, as you might have heard earlier. I'm, I'm uh, eager to get to say hello to you, get to shake your hand, say hello face-to-face. Uh, it's so good to be here. Uh, my wife and I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I was a pastor for 20 years at a church in Atlanta, and now I'm on my own preaching at different churches and speaking on leadership during the week to organizations and companies, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, my wife and I have five kids. Yes, we do know how that happens. Uh, no, we're not Catholic. We do get that question a lot. Um, our youngest child, uh, he's four years old now, and his name is Wit. My wife was taking him to preschool earlier this year, and he had never been to school. So I don't know if you remember that feeling of when, uh, you know, your first day at school, that's a big deal, you know. Even if it was preschool, it was still, she could feel his nerves. She's an incredible mom, and he was nervous. He had some anxiety, which is not uncommon, right? And they're in the carpool line. He had kind of unbuckled his car seat, and he's kind of standing up right over her shoulder, and she could feel, she could just feel that he was kind of tense and anxious and worried. And she said, buddy, are you, are you nervous about school today? And he said, She said, would you like for me to pray for you? And he goes, sure. Right? And so she prays for him. God, would you you give him courage? Would you help him to know that that you're with him? And would you even take away wit's anxiety? In Jesus' name, amen. And she calls me later later that day, and she's like, you got to hear what he said to me after the prayer. I was like, I can't wait. Did he drop some, like, theological quote on you? Did he say something profound? She said, well, he looked up at me and he goes, well, that didn't work. (laughs) Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever felt like you prayed for the feelings to go away? You prayed for the emotions to go away and they just didn't, right? Um, we all know what that feels like, and that's what we're going to talk about today. If you've got a Bible, we're going uh, to be in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, a couple of verses in each chapter. But before we get there, I just want to set this up with this simple little illustration. Um, ever since our kids were little, we used, uh, we used an app on the phone called White Noise. Anybody sleep with White Noise here? Anybody use White Noise? You, Mr. Camera Operator Man, what do you use? A fan? Yeah, an actual fan or a fan on the app? An actual fan. He's like, no, no, I'm the real deal, bro. Like, I don't fake it. I use like a real fan. I like that. Thank you. Um, we use the app. And so ever since our kids were little, we crank up the white noise. You know, you got, you got all kinds of stuff on this app. You can do anything. Like, see if you know what this is. You can just try to, you know, guess this. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, that's why I got to go to the bathroom so many times in the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? You play that and you're like, whoa, man, I didn't even, okay, I didn't know that was happening. Um, what about this one? This is for all you uh, outdoors people. What is it? Okay, we're going 50-50. Some of you are saying crickets. It's actually frogs, all right? All you frog people, you really know you're amphibians. Well done. Um, I, I, don't, I don't do either one of those. I like just a simple, it's called brown noise. It's kind of a deeper, lower frequency. But ever since our kids were little, we would crank that in their rooms, right? Because it has a purpose to it. This is what white noise does. White noise is a form of sound masking, Right? I mean, if you're just quiet, whatever room you're in, wherever you are right now, just take like five seconds. Just listen. You can hear it in the room. It's always going on. Yeah, there's there's constant noise in life going on, right? 
And sometimes we pipe in more noise in certain circumstances because it covers up the things that we don't want to hear. That's what white noise does. My wife and I, we value our sleep a lot. Some of you are judging me right now. You're like, well, what if your child needs you? I'm like, no, I'll tell you what the child needs. The child needs to go back to sleep. That's what the child needs. That is exactly what that kid needs is to go back to sleep. And so I don't want the raccoon getting in the trash can, you know, uh, waking up the kid. I don't want the ice machine in the refrigerator, like, dropping into the bucket, like, making all kinds of noise and waking up the child. I want the child sleeping. So we crank that white noise. It masks the stuff that we don't want to hear. Um, White noise, in the same way it masks unwanted sound, let me give you just another simple illustration of this. White noise is like deodorant for unwanted smell, right? Deodorant doesn't make the smell go away. For breeze, it doesn't make the smell go away, but it covers it up. Some of you that have middle school kids, you're like, oh no, I get this, because, uh, I mean, wow, you know, the Axe body spray, I don't know what they're trying to cover up, but it is like they're trying to cover up a crime. I mean, they are like spraying that stuff all over the place, and it masks stuff, right? It masks the things we don't want to smell, but the same thing is true in our life. Here's what I want to talk about today is this idea of white noise. White noise is um, it's, it's something that we use to actually mask unwanted emotions, that we all have these emotions inside of us that Sometimes we don't want to feel, and so we crank up the noise. We crank up the distractions. We crank up the things that make us forget about or that cover up those things inside of us that we don't want to feel. And all of us do this. In fact, over the last couple of years, we have all experienced um, a significant amount of emotion. I, I don't know how you feel right now, but everywhere I go, I talk to people all the time that are exhausted, that feel kind of apathetic, that feel uh, just a little slow to get motivated or feel discouraged. There's all kinds of stuff that we feel. And when we feel that stuff, the question is, what are we going to do with it? What is it that we use? What do we use to mask the unwanted emotions? What do you use? You don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to think about it. What do you use to mask those things that you don't want to feel? When I ask people about it, they'll say things like, well, I use busyness, right? I just get real busy. Some people will be like, oh, I use social media, right? Some people are like, oh, uh, you know, um, I, I'm a, I'm a, I cook a lot of food, right? And so I'm like into that, you know? Some people exercise. But then there's some that are on the more dangerous end, right? There's a lot of people that use alcohol to mask the things they don't want to feel. Or unfortunately, sometimes people use illegal drugs, right, to mask the things they don't want to feel. The question is, what if... What if God wanted us to just deal with that stuff? What if God, what if he showed up one day and said, hey, I just want to let you know, I, I want you to, I want you to, I want to help you deal with it. I want to help you discover what it is, and I want to help you actually handle it. That would be pretty remarkable. In fact, I know some of you are, uh, a lot of you are Jesus followers, like this is, I mean, you, you followed Jesus ever since you were little. I mean, you, it, it's a big part of your life. But there's others of you that maybe you're new to this. Maybe you just put your faith in Jesus recently. Or maybe you're trying to figure out, does this, is this faith thing for me? I, I'm just telling you, this is one of the most attractive parts of creator God. Is that he says, hey, I don't send you out into the desert to go deal with your stuff. I, I make an offer. 
that says, if you would like for me to help you, I would be willing to help you discover what it is and then help you know how to deal with those emotions that are inside of you. And the reason why, one of the reasons why it's so important today is because our feelings, those things inside of us from our past or from our present or the worries or concerns about the future, those feelings can oftentimes be an obstacle to the access that God wants to have with us. God wants this relationship with you and me. He wants this relationship where we know him and he knows us and we're bringing our stuff to him and he's jumping in and helping out and he's engaging in our life, and, but he doesn't force himself on us. God is a reciprocating kind of God. You know, in James, the brother of Jesus, James said, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Yeah, if you move toward him, he moves toward you. And so those feelings, they don't have to be an obstacle. If you're walking in today going, I'm actually kind of upset at God. I'm kind of frustrated at God. I'm kind of perturbed with God because it hadn't worked out like I want or this has been a challenging season or life is not what I thought it would be or it's kind of empty or I don't even know what to do with it. You don't have to let that be an obstacle. He says, invite me in, invite me in. I wanna help you deal with that. That's what we're gonna talk about today. In Matthew 5, uh, I, I love this idea. Matthew 5, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Sermon on the Mount, one of the most powerful, one of the most beautiful sermons ever preached. And Jesus is not short of topics in Sermon on the Mount. I mean, there's this moment in time where the, all these followers are, are out along this mountainside and Jesus is preaching. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. And he covers a, a bunch of topics, but one of the things he starts with, he starts with what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are or happy are. And I love when he gets to this idea in Matthew 5, 8. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will, what's the word? Come on, let's say it one more time. For they will, they'll see God. I don't know about you. But if there's a way for me to see God, if there's a way for me to see the activity of God, if there's a way for me to see the direction that God's moving, I need to see it. I was in my dream job working uh, at a church in Atlanta. It's what I had always wanted to do ever since I was about 20 years old. And I was experiencing some professional restlessness. Anybody ever experienced professional restlessness? You know, I wish there was a pill you could take that would knock it out but I don't think there is. And I got to the point through a lot of discussions with my bosses, discussions with our pastor, discussions with my wife, discussions with some really close friends where I decided I think I need to make the leap. I think I need to do something different. I think I need to step out of the nest. And I'm telling you, this verse, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God has been so important for me because I need to see I need to see, God, what are you up to? God, what are you doing? God, where are you trying to take this? God, what is on the other side? But when our heart is convoluted, when our heart is polluted, when our heart is covered up by all kinds of stuff that we can't see, usually emotions, usually those things that we feel that we don't know what to do with, then evidently our hearts are not pure and we miss out on seeing God. I think of this idea as kind of like a, you remember when we had the cell phones where you had to pull the antenna up, you know? 
<laughs> Those were the days, right? You had to pull that antenna up. You had to get to a higher speed. The other, the other day, I, I, I was driving down the road, and I, I, we were in a place where I couldn't get much. And I was holding my phone up like that was going to do anything. And my kids in the back were like, Dad, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I figure I can't get service. I'm trying to see if I can get service, right? I'm trying to get some clarity. I'm trying to get a connection. Some of you remember this. How many of you uh, grew up playing the Nintendo any of you children of the 90s or the 80s playing that regular? I don't mean the DS or I don't mean the Super. I mean just the OG, the original gangsta. I mean the original Nintendo. You remember what you had to do? Like you had your friends coming over and you want to play some Duck Hunt, you know? And you put it in and it's all blurry. What do you do? Oh, my goodness. These are my people. You pull that cartridge out. Some of you, um, some of you have never had to do this. And I'm just going to let you know. It shows. It shows, okay, because this is hard knock life kind of stuff. You pull the cartridge out and you blow into it like a harmonica. And then you put it back in and what happened to it? Clear as day. I mean, the most standard death you have ever seen, right? It's amazing. And that's what today is about. This verse, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Today, I want to talk about what does it look like in our hearts, in our lives, to blow off that cartridge and put it in and get some clarity. If you need clarity, today's your day. If you need to see God, today's your day. If you need to see like God sees, today's your day. But I'm telling you, what we can't do is we can't continue to cover up these emotions. We can't continue to mask these emotions because to the degree that we mask our emotions, we remain unable to see God. To the degree we mask our emotions, to the degree we turn up the volume and cover up our emotions, we remain unable to see God. I need to see God. I bet a lot of you here today are going, oh, I need to see God. Then come on, let's, let's talk about this. How do we do it? How do we get our hearts more pure? How do we deal with those emotions that are inside of us? How do we get that water more clear? How do we get that that heart more clear so that we can see where God is, so that we can see where God's moving. Well, that was the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Matthew 6, he goes into this topic. He says, let me teach you how to pray. Anybody wondering how to pray? Everybody in the crowd was like, we don't really know how to pray. Teach us how to pray, Jesus. He's like, all right, let's go. I'm gonna teach you how to pray. Here's one of the things he says about prayer, Matthew 6, verse 6. He says, when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is, what's the word? Unseen. Pay pay attention to this, because he's about to do some word, he's about to do some word tricks on us. See, what what he starts with, we we skipped over this part right before this. He said, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like those religious people. He said, they don't go to their room and close the door and pray to the father who's unseen. No, no, they go out on the street corner, and what do they do? He says they beat their chest. They speak in loud volumes. They speak in these big, confusing, SAT kind of words. He says, don't do that. Don't be like those people who want everybody to see them, everybody to know what's going on, who, who are really in it for their own pride. He says, no, no. When you pray, you go into your room, you close the door, and you pray to your father who is unseen, which... I relate to this so deeply because I'm like, well, Jesus, that is the problem, bro. He's unseen. Anybody ever tried to pray and your mind gets all distracted by stuff, right? You start to pray and you you start feeling some of those things like, oh, what is that? 
That stuff from the past, that stuff from my job that I don't want to have to deal with, that stuff in my relationships that I don't want to have to pay attention to. And we're trying to pray to a God who's unseen, and so all of a sudden we start getting distracted. We let our mind get distracted by all the things that are so easy to grab a hold of, those things that we keep our fingers on the knob of to turn up when we don't want to feel the things we don't want to feel. This is, um, this is uh, we're reading the NIV right now. This, I'm about to show you a verse from the CSV. This is the Clay Scroggins version, okay? So this is not inerrant, nor is it inspired. I'm just making this up for the point of our day-to-day. This is the way it happens for most of us, right? But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and get distracted by your phone, end up reading a link about if Justin Fields is going to have a better year with the Bears or not, right? That's what we end up doing because technology is one of the greatest culprits, right? Our phones are one of the greatest culprits of the distraction. It's so much easier to just scroll and scroll and scroll. But Jesus says, no, no, if you want to connect with your father who is in heaven, who is unseen, and I know that's challenging for you, you got to go into a room, you got to close the door, you got to turn down all the noise. And then you pray to your father who's unseen. And then Jesus says, look at what he does. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Verse, uh, next part of this verse. And then your father, look, look at these words again, who sees what is done in secret. Your father the, the unseen one, he sees, he sees. You might not be able to see him, but he sees you. And he loves you. And he's for you. And when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. He says, he sees what is done in secret. He sees the, God, I'm trying to turn down the noise. I'm trying to connect with you. I'm trying to get on the same page. I'm trying to make sure that you and I are good. I'm trying to make sure that you see me. I'm trying to bring these circumstances to you. I'm trying to bring these challenges to you. I'm trying to deal with the stuff that's inside of me. He says, you pray to your father who's unseen, and he sees what is done in secret. I love this next little phrase. And he will reward you. He gives you a reward. Let me ask you, what's the reward? Some of you are like, oh yeah, it's that Tesla. He's going to give me that Tesla. (laughs) Some of you are like, no, he's going to hook me up with that girl I've been trying to holler at. He's going to give me a worship leader. He's going he's gonna to give me a promotion. No, seriously, some of you are like, no, he's going he's gonna to bring our son back. He's going to restore our marriage. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the reward. I, I think sometimes he does do that. And I think we should continue to bring that to him. But I've been following Jesus for a while now. Some of you have been following Jesus for a while now. And you get this, that he doesn't always do the things that we want him to do. He doesn't always respond the way we want him to respond. But he always gives us this reward. And the greatest reward he gives us is 
himself. Him, he gives us this close relationship. He gives us this sense of dependence. He gives us this sense of intimacy with him. The reward, the reward is Jesus. This is not preacher talk. I'm telling you, if you will turn down the noise low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious of what's going on inside of you, if you will turn down the noise, go into your room, close the door, turn down the noise and pray to your father who's unseen, he sees what is done in secret and he will give you more of himself. And it's not that he hasn't given you more of himself. When Jesus died on the cross, when he was resurrected from the dead, he gave us all of himself. He gave us full access to himself. But sometimes we miss it because we got stuff going on inside of us. We got stuff like this guilt that we don't know what to do with over our past. And so we just turn up the noise, right? Because I don't want to deal with that. Or we got stuff like this. I don't know if any of you ever feel inadequate, but we've got this inadequacy. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I don't know that I can really do it. And so I turn up the noise. I find other things to distract me so that I don't have to deal with that. We, we feel this loneliness. You know, loneliness is, a, loneliness is an issue in our world because people don't know what to do with it. And so we crank up the noise because we don't want to feel that sense of loneliness. We've got jealousy. We've got comparison. We see what other people are getting. And we think, well, why am I not getting that? And so we crank up the noise louder and louder because we don't want to deal with what's inside of us. You know what ultimately is inside of us is we all have this pain that's inside of us. And so we just walk around in life with this turned up to 10 all the time trying to go, God, I don't understand why I don't feel you. God, I don't understand why it doesn't seem like you're with me. God, I don't understand why you won't help me deal with this stuff. God's going, what if you just turned it off? What if you just shut it down? That's good. Thank you. What if you just decided, you know what? I'm going to turn it down low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious of what's going on inside of me so that I can experience more of my father, so that I can experience more of his love, so that he'll help me deal with the pain, so that he'll help me deal with the loneliness or the inadequacy or the jealousy, so that he'll help me deal with the guilt and the shame. He says, if you'll invite me to do that, if you'll turn down the noise low enough and long, I, I will, I see what you're doing in secret and I will come and reward you. I'll let you feel my love. I'll let you feel my connection. I'll let you experience the intimacy of a perfect relationship with your father. I'm telling you, there's, there's so much in this for us. If we would decide to turn it down low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious of what's going on inside of us. And, and if we don't, you, you all know this, but if we don't, if you don't deal with your emotions, 
eventually your emotions will deal with you, right? I mean, a lot of times we think, well, I'll just push it to the side. I'll just cover it up. I'll just mask it. And I'll just hope that it goes away. You, you all are old enough and smart enough and wise enough to know it doesn't go away. You know what it does? Those negative emotions that we just push down in there, they go to the basement of our soul and they just lift weights. They just go down there and get swole, get yoked. They just go get bigger. And then they don't just start to wreak havoc in us, but we've got to deal with our emotions, our emotional noise before our emotional noise wreaks havoc on others in our lives. I mean, this is the ultimate for me is I got these kids now. I got this wife that I'm crazy about. And I don't want my emotional noise to create shrapnel in her life or in their life. How many of you have a parent? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say it out loud. But how many of you have a parent that never dealt with it? They had some stuff inside. Maybe it was pain, something they didn't do. Maybe it was pain from something that they did do. Maybe it was just this inadequacy or this loneliness or this jealousy or this guilt or this shame. And your dad never dealt with it. And he covered it up for a long time, and then finally he just said, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. Or maybe you had a mom that just said, I, I don't know how to deal with this. I can't. I'm just, I'm, I'm out. I'm telling you, if we don't deal with it, it shows up. that The people around us that we love the most end up feeling the effects of it. So, so what do we do? How, how do we actually do this? I want to give you just a couple of real simple, practical ways that you can Turn down the noise low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious of what's going on inside of you. The, the first thing we got to do is we got to do this. We got to identify what our white noise is. Would you identify your white noise? Would you identify it? Maybe it's a hobby. Nothing wrong with a hobby. But do you run to the hobby when you don't want to feel the stuff you don't want to feel? Maybe it's work. Nothing wrong with work. But sometimes it's easier to go to work than it is to deal with the stuff at home, right? Is it some kind of substance? Is it your phone? Do you just get buried in your phone because you don't want to deal with the stuff? And I'm not saying get crazy and throw your phone away, but what I am saying is would you be willing to experiment with it? Would you be willing to experiment with it? I'm not saying throw your phone away. I'm not saying disconnect the internet. Don't get crazy. Some of you are like, if I didn't have my phone, how would I take a picture of my food? Great question, and that's legit, you know? Because we all want to see what you just ate. And so I'm not saying get rid of it forever. I'm just saying, what if you experiment with it? What if you decide, you know what? Um, for 30 minutes every morning, I'm going to put it down. For 30 minutes every morning, I'm going to close the door and pray to my father who's unseen. For 30 minutes every day, maybe I'm going to open up God's word and let the, the words of life speak into my soul. Maybe you decide, you know what? For a 24-hour period, I'm not going to work. In the Old Testament, we call that the Sabbath, right? Taking a day off to be able to turn down all the noise, to be able to go, God, I just want to remind myself that I'm trusting in you. I want to remind myself that my job does not determine my worth. And so I'm going to turn it down. Maybe it means for just a, a month maybe, you decide I, there's something I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop buying stuff online. Maybe I'm going to just shut my hobby down for a month 
or for a day or for a week or I don't know how long. I'm saying don't get crazy, but just experiment with it. And just see, when you turn it down, what do you find? What's in there? And, and, and then after you've identified your noise, after you've experimented with it, would you be intentional to listen to what it's masking? Would you be intentional to pay attention to, well, what is in there? And, and let me just tell you, this is not easy. Usually you don't turn down the noise and go, wow, I didn't know I had so much joy inside of my heart that I've been covering up, right? No, usually it's something from our past. It's pain, it's, it's hurt, it's brokenness. It's something that you didn't grieve or maybe it's something that you've lost that you didn't even realize that has affected you so bad. Maybe it's something that you've been avoiding for years that you just don't want to pay attention to. I'm telling you, this is why the church is such a beautiful, beautiful mechanism for redemption in our life because God uses the people around us to say, let me help you. Maybe it's your small group or maybe it's somebody that you know. Maybe it's sitting down with a counselor going, hey, I need help wading through this stuff. I realize that there's some stuff there that I haven't dealt with. And I don't want the people around me to feel the consequences. I don't want them to feel the implications of it. I want to learn to deal with it. You know that we have a heavenly father that says, I have something to say about your inadequacy. For those of you men, maybe some of you women as well, I, I don't know. I, sometimes it's, you know, I feel challenge talking to women because I'm like I don't know what it feels like to be a woman you know people are like tap into your female side I, I haven't found that yet I don't know where that is yet so I'm still looking for it. but I am telling you this I know we all we all at times have this sense of uh I don't have what it takes I, I I don't I don't have what it takes and what the world tells you is yes you do believe in yourself and you can do it and some of you are like no nah, that doesn't work like I def- definitely don't have what it takes but we have a heavenly father that says, yeah, you don't. You don't have what it takes. But I do. And so if you'll come to me, if you will tap into my power, Jesus said in John 15, he said, if you will depend on my power like a vine depends on, a, like a branch depends on a vine, if you will lean and draw from my power, I will help you do the things that you cannot do. Those of you that are experiencing loneliness, you're going, I feel so alone. I feel like nobody really knows me. Nobody really gets me. You have a heavenly father that says, I want to help you deal with that. The answer is not, well, go be around people all the time. The answer is not, well, go be a recluse and be by yourself all the time. No, no, no. The answer is, You have a father in heaven who loved you so much that his son Jesus willingly came to earth, walked in shoes as a man and gave up his life and took on our sin and felt the pain and the agony of separation from the father. On the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt as if God had turned his back on him. The pain of the sin, the payment of the sin created the separation. But Jesus defeated it and is united with the Father forever so that you and I will never have to be defeated by loneliness. When you're alone and you start feeling loneliness, You can tell your loneliness, you can go back to where you came from because I got a father in heaven who is always with me. 
I got a father in heaven who says, you will never be alone. I will always be with you until now, until throughout all eternity because of what my son sealed in his victory over death. I'm telling you, God wants to help you. He wants to help me deal with that stuff. And so would you be intentional to listen to what it's masking and maybe even ask this question, God, instead of just covering it up, how do you want me to deal with it? God, how do you want me to deal with this emotion? And we have a loving father who says, well, first of all, I want you to invite me in because I don't want you to do it alone. Maybe you need to invite some other people in. But I want you to experience the joy of working through the sorrow of life. There is joy on the other side. There is joy on the other side from working through our stuff. And he invites us in. He says, come on, come on. Let me join the process. Invite me to join you in the process. And let's work on this together. Last, last idea. Uh, your feelings, your feelings don't have to be an obstacle for the access you can have with the Father. In fact, your feelings can actually be a catalyst, a conduit. One day, maybe your story is, it was my loneliness that brought me to the Father. It was my inadequacy that brought me to the Father. It was my guilt and my shame that brought me to the Father. And so today, I just invite you, I just invite you to open up your hands, open up the hands of your heart and just pray and say, God, would you give me a moment? In fact, I'm just gonna give you a moment right now. Maybe just a few moments of, Silence of solitude. We live in a world where there's always noise. And I just want you to ask God, God, what am I using to mask the things I don't want to feel? God, would you help me? I'm inviting you in. So just take a moment, then I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, this little moment of solitude just reminds us that very rarely do you shout above the noise. Very rarely do you compete with all of our noise. Now, you seem like you're a God that says, I'm I'm patient, I'm going to wait. And whenever you're ready, you just turn down all the stuff you're distracting yourself with. And you just invite me in. Just invite me in. Maybe some of you have never done that before. Maybe today's a day where you just surrender your life and say, I, I, I need you. I need your help. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I need a savior. Maybe just invite him in today. Maybe some of you just feel like the pain of the past or the problems of the present or maybe the fears of the future. It just feels too much. We have a father in heaven who says, I have defeated death. Nothing can stand against me. So father, we just recognize that you are all powerful and you are completely personal. And so we just tell you today that we invite you in. Help us. Help us in the 
in the days where we don't want to. Help us in the moments where we feel like we can't. I pray you'd give us a vision for our life. I pray you'd give us a vision for your future, for your church. And ultimately, we want to experience more of you. God, that lights me up. I want to know you. And I pray for my friends here at Parkview that they would experience you in profound ways as they turn down the noise low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious of what's going on inside. In the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks.